This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. We had a combined no-hitter over the weekend, Jeff. The uh, Detroit Tigers uh, did that on Saturday. It's the 20th. 20th in Major League Baseball history. If I'd have said 20 for combined no-hitters, was that a number that would have surprised you? Not really. Not in... Not I bet we've had 10 in the last five years. Five or six years. Well, you had... Uh, you had I one mean, the Astros or, had one in the playoffs. Yeah. That was the last one, uh, was the one in the playoffs. You had uh, one last June. You had another one last April. You had one in uh, September of 21. One in June of 21, one in August of 19, one in July of 19, one in May of 18. So, and then you went from, you went four years from, uh, from 2014 to 2018, Cole Hamels, Jake Diekman, Ken Giles, and Jonathan Papelbon for the Phillies against the Braves. Man, there's some names for you. (laughs) Not thought about Jonathan Papelbon in a long time. Right, right, right. Uh, Roy Oswalt was involved in one in 2003. Kent Merker was involved with one with uh, Mark Wollers and Alejandro Pena in 1991. So we're now you're now you're really going back. The first combined no hitter. You want to take a guess at one of the pitchers in the first combined no hitter? Babe Ruth. Yes. <laughs> oh. It was the perfect game. It would have been a perfect game because it was 27 up and 27 down. For the guy who relieved Ruth after he was thrown out of the first inning, after the first batter, which is something we talked about three weeks ago in this day in sports history. Ernie Shore. <laughs> yes, very good. Very good. Uh, the first true combined no-hitter was in 1967, Steve Barber and Stu Miller. And then uh, the Swing and A's had one. I mean, these were great pitchers, too, for them in 1975. Vita Blue, Glenn Abbott, Paul Lindblad, and Raleigh Fingers. Uh, against the against the A's, and then a former a former um, A did it against his team. Well, with the White Sox, Blue Moon Odom and uh, Francisco Barrios did it against the A's, July the twenty eighth, nineteen seventy six. So it's not like uh, it's not uncommon, uh, but anytime you have a no hitter, the more uncommon thing is what what Jeff talked about a couple weeks ago. And tell me I'm wrong. That it would take uh, uh, that it would take a perfect game to have a solo no hitter yeah. from this point mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah, and so far we've had the combined no hitter. Yeah, and a perfect game. And a perfect game. And no no hitter. <laughs> and no no hitter. I'm still not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're still not wrong. No, you are. You are still. You are still not wrong. So there you go. So something that uh, that occurred yesterday, and it's it kind of blew me away because. Back in the day, this was so very common. Uh, The Yankees, during the George Steinbrenner watch, Mm -hmm. which was basically 1974 to, you know, early 2000s. But his his dominance, where he had his iron fist on it, was really from mid-70s to about 2000, Mm -hmm. uh, before others got involved within his family. But... The Yankees fired their hitting coach, Dylan Lawson. And this blew me away when I learned that this was the first coach that had been fired during the season in the 26-year career of Brian Cashman. And uh, because in the past, the Yankees would would go through, they'd go through pitching coaches, uh, they'd go through managers, they'd, I mean, just at the... At a whim, a little you know. more combustible. Oh, uh, very, very combustible <laughs> during the um, during the Steinbrenner yes. era. I mean, in his first twenty three years, he changed managers twenty times, <laughs> including Billy Martin, who was fired and rehired five times. Also, during his twenty six years, he went through thirteen PR directors. Wow. I, I remember being... Uh, were they quitting or was he getting rid of no, them? No, <laughs> he was getting rid of them. I mean, I, th- I think he wore them out. Right. I remember being in the press box for a Royals-Yankees game. In the This had to be in the late 80s. 
and um, the the PR guy, his name was Harvey Green, and uh, I mean he was constantly being paged, and you never heard that mm-hmm. Harvey Green Redline or Harvey Green, you know whatever. <laughs> I mean this is before anybody had a cell phone or anything along those lines. Heck, this is even before anybody really had email. Yeah, and so I mean you basically. You called some. You called somebody, and they paged you. Okay, mm-hmm. they paged you, right. and then you had to call them back. You had to call them back. Right. right. Yeah. It's like it's like every time you got off a plane, you'd see people go straight to the payphone. Right. right? Yes. I didn't, you know? didn't see that this trip. Yeah. There's no. I don't think there's any payphones in the no. in the airports yeah. anymore. I mean, that's a, it's way a thing in the past. But anyway, it's just it just when I saw that, it's just like God, how times have changed because George Steinbrenner would would change pitching coaches he'd changed third base coaches i mean yeah, he fired a guy named um mike ferraro in the um 1985 uh playoffs because he he sent a guy home and the royals made this incredible play uh where the ball was hit to a left fielder and thrown into george brett brett turns and fires and gets this guy out at home plate and and steinbrenner was just livid and ends up firing Ferraro, <laughs> wow. who would later become a manager. Yeah. So would, it, I, it was very combustible. Is a great word. I think uh, I've heard. I can't remember what I was listening to some podcast. I think Yankee fans kind of missed that a little bit. They're a little yeah. over the, the Brian Cashman. Like let's just let's just see it play out. They, yeah. They they, they miss a li- if one, some kind of combination of the two is probably a, a good way to do it. Speaking of firing, I I, I think we're going to see one uh, with Northwestern. Uh, I think it there's just maybe headed that way. Too just way way too much that has come out about Pat Fitzgerald and and his team. Although you have these conflicting reports, you have you have uh, this ESPN article that came out yesterday or over the weekend um, after he had been suspended two weeks without pay. This is for uh, hazing mm-hmm. that uh, that took place within the football program, and now the president of the university, Michael Schill has said in a letter to the Northwestern community that he sent late Saturday, he may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for Fitzgerald, uh, basically saying he focused on what he didn't know versus what he should have known. And what do we know about the head football coach? The head football coach of a Power 5 school knows every single thing that is going on with his football team, right? You would like to think. I, I I truly believe that the head football I, I for all those that want to apologize for Art Bryles, I'm sorry he knew what was going on. Right. And it goes back to that sign that hung over the conference door in uh, in Mike Leach's uh facility when he was the head coach here. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Yep. Yeah. And th- and this and this is clearly a case of he allowed it to happen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and you're responsible either way. You're responsible, yeah. right. Yeah. You are responsible. You are the head football coach, and there's going to be some that say, well, how can he police 125 guys? Okay, so he probably can't police 125 guys once they leave his facility, but inside his facility, he sure can. What is the, the famous Mad Men quote, that's what the money's for. <clears throat> like, that's his job. Yeah, that's your job, right? <laughs> yes. That's that's your job. Yep. Uh, apparently, Schill's going to speak with Northwestern's Board of Trustees and other university leaders to determine a new penalty for Fitzgerald. I mean, they should fire him for cause is what they should do. If if any of this is true, because there's there are players that have come out and said that this is being kind of uh, embellished, um, that that this didn't happen to the level and that there's a player who's just basically trying to get him fired. Uh, but it involves you know, acts that are disgusting inside mm-hmm. the locker room, Yeah, you know, with regard to players and is a f- form of a initiation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing that I've also seen players, they haven't come out and said like, this is false. They've, they've come out and just said, he's still a good, like he's a good coach, good guy. Like, let's not fire him for this, which is, still, but it's not necessarily saying like, none of this is not like, this is all true basically, but he's exactly. a terrible person, fireable. but he knows how to coach. Right, exactly. Exaggerated and twisted is how this is being labeled. And, and, and frankly, they haven't had that great a experience here lately on the football field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their results have been very Northwestern. Yes. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Northwestern is known as an academic college and they had some football success, you know, in the 2000s, early 2000s, and then Pat Fitzgerald, he, he's taken him to some, you know, big-time bowl games. But 
Not so much here lately. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that uh, we're going to see we're going to see a, uh, a firing here or something along those lines. It a does mutual, feel that way. A mutual, dis- a mutual uh, departure yeah. with a settlement. Maybe a hugging situation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Pat Fitzgerald's <laughs> wife's going to email his resignation. I think uh, we're beyond that. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. 10th day of July, 2023. Here is Jeff McGuire with this day in sports history. Guinness started in 1934 because it was the second All-Star game. The American League wins 9-7 at the Polo Grounds in New York City. 1968, U.S. Major League Baseball announces it will split into two divisions for the 1969 season. Fast forward to 1990. The 61st All-Star game took place with the American leading. American League winning 2-1 to one at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Your MVP that game, Texas Ranger Julio Franco. 2012, 83rd All-Star Game. National League wins 8 to nothing at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Were you at that game? I was at that game. <laughs> uh, Justin Verlander trying to throw 100 miles an hour just got lit up in the first inning. I mean, the game was over. Yes, early. Early, early. <laughs> well, I mean, technically it was over after the first run with an 8 to nothing shutout. But, <laughs> right, but I mean. But it was I, it was I, not close. Early. I want to say they gave up four or six runs in the first inning. Yeah, it was, it was first insane inning. in the first. Yeah. Uh, 2012, Wimbledon men's tennis. Novak Djokovic wins his fourth straight and record equaling seventh Wimbledon singles title. 4-6, 6-3, 6-4, 7-6. It was his 21st overall Grand Slam title. It is National Pina Colada Day. Uh, I can get behind that. Yeah, sure. And pick Blueberries Day. I don't know why blueberries and pina coladas go together, but, you know. (laughs) I couldn't care less about picking uh, blueberries. I could could, uh, do a whole lot with a a blender and... uh, some rum and some rum and uh, whatever else goes in a pina colada and a swim up bar. I mean, I could get way behind that. Uh, happy birthday to wide receiver Antonio Brown, who's 35. Jessica Simpson is 43. Andre Dawson, 69. Hal McRae, 78. And Urban Meyer is 59. Wow. Urban Meyer. He's, and he's done. Is he back on the Fox show? He's back on the Fox show. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. Uh, yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> let me just awkward. Pretend, we'll pretend that disaster of a NFL coaching stint didn't happen, I guess. Yeah, and, and all the stuff that happened at, at Florida and Ohio State. And, yeah. And frankly, probably Utah as well. But yeah, he'll be, he'll be back on the big noon kickoff with Matt Leinart, Brady Quinn, and uh, also Mark Ingram. Is uh, is on that show now? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And speaking of disasters, <laughs> on this day in 1992, the Alaska Court of Appeals overturns the convention of Joseph Hazelwood, mm. the former captain of the oil tanker Exxon Valdez. Hazelwood, who was found guilty of negligence for his role in the massive oil spill in Prince William Sound in 1989, successfully argued that he was entitled to immunity from prosecution because he had reported the oil spill, oil spill to authorities 20 minutes after the ship had run aground. For those of you who don't remember about the Exxon Valdez, uh, it was one of the largest environmental disasters in American history and resulted in the deaths of 250,000 seabirds, thousands of sea otters and seals, hundreds of bald eagles, and countless salmon and herring eggs. The ship, a 1,000 feet long, was carrying 1.3 million barrels of oil Ran aground against a reef in March 24 on March 24th, after failing to return to the shipping lanes which it had maneuvered out of to avoid hitting an iceberg. It later came to light that several of the officers, including Hazelwood, had been drinking at a bar the night the Exxon Valdez left port, but no official evidence was ever brought up that he was drunk on the day of sailing. And that is this day in sports history. All right, this day in sports history, 649 this morning. 
Uh, Robert asked this off the East Flooring Center chat line. Who's going to want that Northwestern job? Uh, there'll be plenty. Oh, yeah. There'll be, there'll be plenty. I mean, because... Big that, Ten. That's Big Ten. D1 it's, coaching job. <laughs> it's a Power Five school. It's, you know, millions of dollars. And they'll, they're going to clean house. But it's, I mean, obviously, I mean, it here is, you are July the 10th. I yeah. Mean, you, man, you mentioned it too, the the academics of it and make it a tough job, similar to, you know, Stanford, Notre mm-hmm. Dame, those kinds of things. But obviously, they make it work. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they figured out how to yeah. how to get some football players there. Yeah. Speaking uh, of coaching. Yeah. Did you see what happened with Huggy Bear over the weekend? Oh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> what in the world is he thinking? See, this is why I'm surprised this wasn't the first thing we thought. We talked well, about I, I've got it on my, I mean, I've got it here, but I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's craziness. It's ridiculous. Uh, I got a text Saturday night going, have you seen this? Sad. I'm like, sad. This is ridiculous. It's not sad. <laughs> it's, it's funny to me. Like, I just, I mean, I want to know like, what is you because you know i was like did i dream a resignation letter you know and i, I found it on the, the west virginia website then you go to his twitter and it's all him retweeting his former and current players talking about like how they're gonna miss him how he had a great run how he, they're sad that it's over <laughs> he retweeted those was, was, a, was a resignation letter signed by him though i i saw it like it was just typed up on the there, website there was a deal that because they there's two things that took place one was um Huggins' wife texts Steve Urias, who used to be here in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. He he was here during the whole, uh, and and Steve's a great guy, and he's his he has a son that still lives here in town, and and uh, did an outstanding job for Tech, and then moved on, and then ended up at West Virginia, and he's the administrator uh, for basketball and for football. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's got, you know, he he doesn't make the final decision. He's just the administrator that's in charge. And so apparently Huggins' wife texts him, and then of course I'm sure he immediately lets the athletic director know, who lets the school president know, and then within an hour the athletic director says, "Hey, we accept. We wish you." Now, to me, the basic standard thing would be, Bob, we're going to need a letter, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. And even and even if he doesn't write the letter, then Bob, we're going to write a letter for you, yeah. and you're going to sign it. Yeah. Right. That's now maybe they did that because West Virginia is claiming, "Hey, this is locked down." Yeah. Um, but if they if they didn't do that, then Gordon G is probably in some hot water, and, and the athletic director is too, because that would be their their responsibilities mm-hmm. to get and secure a a true letter of resignation that says. I hereby resign effective this date, yeah. right? I mean, that's standard. That's I mean, standard I've, operating procedure. I've had to do that. Yes. You know, for, for, you know, much yes. less uh, high-profile jobs. Right. Uh, and so the, there's some speculation that that there was some kind of uh, negotiation that would have been, that maybe is, that, that they were nigging on. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, yeah, I know the resignation was sent from his wife's iPhone. And, but to me, that wouldn't be enough. Yeah. That yeah. would be, hey, Bob, we're going to send somebody over. We're going to have a letter typed up for you. you to sign it. And we're going to need you to sign it. Yeah. I Ma- mean, yeah. Maybe they. That's to me, that's just basic, basic business there. Yes. It almost, it seemed like they were just, they, they were, they got the news that they wanted, which they wanted him to resign. Right. So they didn't have to, they didn't have to do it themselves. And they just, it's like they avoided the, the confrontation of, yes, with they it. They took the path of least resistance. Yeah. Now, again, if he sent out his a letter from Bob, which you know we've seen that you know basically saying that his intent is to resign and and to and to retire, and then now of course the joke is that he's sobered up and realized what he's done and like what in the world am I doing? Right. I'm glad he's in rehab. He obviously needed some help. Yes. I mean, obviously needed some help. Well, um, what's weird too is I mean his team is gone. You know, like, yes. So after he was you know quote unquote resigned, they. Uh, he lost several members, several board members of that team to the transfer portal. But, you know, Fran Fischilla, who's uh, an ESPN commentator on, on, you know, all the big, all the big Big 12 games, yeah. talks about how this could have ramifications and, you know, in terms of tearing the program apart and keeping them from, you know, maybe getting a, a quality coach to come in there. I mean, it's still a Big 12 school. Mm-hmm. Still, it's a huge job. They have a tremendous practice facility. They've got a, a fervent fan base. But, I mean, they're going to want one of theirs up there, and yeah. I don't know who that is. Because right everybody wants one of theirs. Yep. 
you know? Yes. And they're going to defend Bob Huggins. There'll be some that will defend it, and it will it will split the fan base. Yep. And we've we have seen this movie firsthand. Yes, we have. Not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's just, it's probably not funny, but when I saw that, my first reaction was just to laugh. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> that is like, the most. You gotta be is, kidding me. It is like a scene I'm sure from the West Seinfeld. Virginia guys. Yeah. It I'm, is. I'm sure the athletic director and the stool of president are going, hey, we, we locked this down, right? Right. Yeah. And apparently, it sounds like he's changed attorneys. So maybe his new attorney's like, well, technically, Bob didn't resign. Right. Okay. Well, for all intensive purposes, he did. Okay, he didn't resign. Great, we're going to fire you because you <laughs> that, violated your contract. Yeah, and you get nothing. That'll probably be what it is. Now you get nothing. Yep. <sighs> There's a big segment of their fan base that wants him back. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. So anyway, it's just, uh, it's just craziness. Yes, crazy, crazy, craziness. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. We'll have a home run derby on the air for you tonight at 7. All-star game tomorrow at 6. Those are on 100.7 the score. Otherwise, it's everything per usual, including Tech Talk this afternoon from 3 until 6 with Aaron Dickens and Mike Gustafson. All right, uh, Taylor, your undergrad, was it from Texas Tech? It was, yes. Okay. Um, so I I, uh, I finally got to swim in the Lazy River uh, on Friday. Uh, <laughs> How was it? It was awesome. Yeah. I, just a great facility. Yes, um, it's been you a know, lot of time I mean, there. I, I well, uh, I wanted to let Raiders Dad know that I swam in it. I I looked at the opening. It was uh, at a point in time where where we were paying for college. So I feel like that that uh, I got to swim in something I helped contribute to the cost to <laughs> right, me, yeah. me and thousands of others along with the lucky lady right um it's not so lazy the lazy river no i mean that it can it gets you around there in pretty good time so it's relaxing it, it is was ah, i i don't know if i i don't know if i would term it that just because i mean the water goes so fast i enjoyed it right. i i thought it was awesome um i wouldn't call it a lazy river um it's because just the the jets on it are pretty explosive uh, when you when you go th- go guess, through. Yeah, that's the. Rela- I think I like the the movement. Yeah, it's relaxing to sure me. it is. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no 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 question. Anyway, so thanks to Raiders Dad and the rest of you, along with ourselves who contributed to the cause, so that <laughs> yes, I thank you too. <laughs> so the thing that's really weird to me is is that thing doesn't open until the first week of May, and then it closes like in early august oh i didn't i don't remember it's, that so yeah. i mean it's it's really not open when the you know the yeah. rank and file are there i mean yeah. they could probably keep it open until you know just based on the weather they could keep it open yeah probably thought, till labor day but, yeah, the, but I, I, I don't think that they do oh well so anyway so that's aren't most city pools open that same length anyway too city is down to one pool that's open and uh yeah, I mean, for the most part. But, I mean, it's it's just with the tech students base coming back and how hot it still is and through Labor Day. Oh, sure. You would I'd, think that they would keep it open till early September. Well, yeah, you'd figure that in, would get mostly used on the weekend when we want them at the football game instead. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, the football games are night games, okay? I don't know. I just I just look at it for all the money that they spent on it. It's the sh- it's it's a very short time period that it's open. Yeah, you know, basically May, my, June, July is what it's open. My memory says it's more than that, but that's probably just one of those things. Mid August. Yeah, they did have signs all over the place that says video is running. So I mean, I'm sh- <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that there was a point in time where more than one person tried to get in there after yeah, hours. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, if I. You know, if I probably had been in school, I probably would have been in trouble because <laughs> I can remember many a time going back to our apartment pool after being out at night and maybe having a late night swim yeah. at our apartment pool oh, yeah. you know, back in the day. Absolutely. 718 this morning. Uh, somebody says this, the city has only one public pool. I believe it's down to one. Yeah, I heard that too. I think it's down to, I think it's down to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's the window of it being open is not, not very long. So. It is what it is. Um, 
All right, so you you, you think they got it right, um, those that voted the, for Tech to be fourth, um, and it could be um, you know, a situation where you could be depending on on how things go and you know how healthy you're able to to stay and um you know just luck of the draw a little bit uh you could finish anywhere from playing for a big 12 championship to you know being six in the conference right yeah i think yes there's a there's a lot of um variables that could see you go like you could tell me Almost anything, and I wouldn't be shocked, which kind of makes this season weird. You know, usually you have a pretty good idea of where you're going to finish, how, the, how honestly, how the conference is going to finish. But this year is one of those where you could fast forward me to December and tell me just about anything, and I'd believe you. Do you have a Do you have a record in mind yet that you've kind of put together? I don't yet. I'm still thinking about it. I I am I'm the type of person that gets pretty nervous when with hype and so the the hype that tech has has made me is has got me worried you know just because it's not something we're used to around here and so mm-hmm. maybe i just don't know how to respond to it but um you should have more kool-aid that will help <laughs> that's probably not true. all of the kool-aid don't want did, just but get more, a little right mm-hmm. get get like one of uh, chuck's four uh shot classes right, worth of kool-aid. yeah yeah and uh, you, the hype will and you'll embrace a little bit of the right. hype. yeah because there's there's things that I'm worried about that I probably shouldn't. I'm what are you still, worried about? I'm still a little worried about quarterback. <clears throat> Excuse Staying me. healthy? No. Just, you know, last year, you know, I thought Shuck played incredibly well at the end of last season. And they, and they kind of turned him into like a Colin Clyde. Like, he, I mean, he was the best runner on the team last year when, when they needed it the most. And I just wonder, is something like that sustainable for a guy like Shuck? Maybe it is. And I, I just don't know, and I haven't seen it um, because the health. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about because I think we're there's a good situation. Like if something happens with Shuck, I think Morton comes in. My only concern then is then the offense looks very different. Those two guys are just they just do different things. Um, but we've seen both of them have really good games, and we've seen both of them struggle, mm-hmm. and and that that worries me because I don't think I haven't seen enough from either one. We've seen flashes of brilliance, but we haven't seen enough to expect brilliance. Um, so I'm a little worried about that. I'm still worried about offensive line, even though they should be much better. That's just a weird position. And a lot of it comes down to con- not necessarily continuity, but just mesh. How do they play together? And even though the pieces are better, I need to see that they're better together before I just assume that a weakness of the team last year is going to be, you know, some people think might be a strength this year. I just need to but see Coach McGuire thinks it might be a strength. Yes, and and that's and he sees. I guess he sees it. So maybe I should mm-hmm. trust him. Um, and then I'm I'm still and I'll always be worried about pass rush because Tyree Wilson was a force of nature last year, and his numbers didn't necessarily reflect that. You know, he didn't get to the quarterback a ton. He didn't force a ton of. Of fumbles, he, but his pressure rate. Was Remember ridiculous. though, you won, you won four ball games without him. I, I know, and, and like that, and and <clears throat> that's why I, I think maybe I'm just I'm conditioned to be skeptical because the hype seems to be there, um, and so I just wonder, you know, he he was such a force. How, how you know now that you can't the def, the offensive line the scheme doesn't focus on him mm-hmm. how do other guys step up and respond and so you know i'm just i'm worried about those things and then <laughs> just to add to the worry i'm do we the receiving core you know last year they kind of lacked okay no, some we're gonna dynamism. stop for just a second here okay because <laughs> i'm we've now gone through three things right and haven't said anything that I've been worried about yet. right yeah. being the number one thing is your offensive line I, that was my second thing he said that. Yeah. I man, you went through it quick. <laughs> Cuz yeah. like Shuck having Morton as a backup, I am not worried about the quarterback position right. as a whole. Yeah, Individually yeah, yeah. maybe, right. but as a whole we're set. Yeah. Defensive line you had such success at the end of the season last year that leads me to believe you're going to continue with your scheme and the players that you've got returning on defense across the board. Yeah. You might not have the sacks but you've got defensive backs who've got another year of experience under in the Joe McGuire era, and they played well last year. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So it's not I'm just not, like yeah. secondary. I think is a strength. Yeah, but 
the only big question I've got for this team coming into this year is allegedly we keep hearing this offensive line is better. Right. We're not going to know if this offensive line is better until week two. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> well, if we find out they're not better in week one, we got a big problem. Right. Yes. We, you know, because a common, the, the, it seems like the, the thing that most people are worried about is linebacker. And I just feel like linebacker is kind of like running back. Like you can find serviceable guys. You can put them in a position to succeed. It's easier to do that scheme wise, middle linebacker that is. Um, but that's so that's why my worry on defense is more defensive line. It's just I know like how big of a force Tyree Wilson was. But y'all both brought up good points. I mean, he goes out and you go up, you know, you go on your best stretch of the year. And and I don't know if I don't think those things are necessarily related. Like Tyree was holding No, he back. wasn't holding right. the team back. No, that's but definitely it, not the case. It does show that the coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they have a plan. Or they can make adjustments. Yeah. And then yeah, and, and, that, and that's been and that and that was a criticism of the Wells and Kingsbury era, at right. least, at, especially the Kingsbury era, in yes. terms of development and making adjustments. Yep. Seven twenty-five. Uh, question of the day is next. See if Taylor can come up with one for right. us, for you, me, and our fine listening audience. You, me, Jeff, and we'll uh, continue our tech football discussion. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety-seven-three. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time for our question of the day, and Jeff uh, has it for us. Okay, so this could end up being a two-parter if we all have the exact same answer. <laughs> okay. Um, because there's a, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, there's probably one specific answer, but I want to know the other answer for this, if that's what we all end up coming with. But Big 12 Media Days is this week. Mm-hmm. And normally we walk into Big 12 Media Day kind of having some questions about either the conference or a specific team but inevitably something happens either before or after media day that becomes the story of media day whether it be texas and oklahoma leaving new head coaches at both texas and oklahoma one year like something generally is the general story so what is the general story going to be for this media day Hmm. anything come into your mind immediately Expansion, came expansion. Into, yeah, came into my mind immediately. Maybe, maybe just because you mentioned the Texas and Oklahoma leaving, um, but that that seems to be a one that might pick up. Maybe after media day is a better. That's a better answer for that. Um, yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. What about you? First thing that came into my mind were the new kids on the block. Yeah, that was that, number two. That, that's me. where I went with, if that's the one we all had, I had a backup question. Yeah. Because that is probably the layup answer, mm-hmm. with because you've got four new teams that we don't know anything about. Right. Um, but I, th- I Which one is going to act like they've been there all along? Because I have a feeling that's going to be Dana Holgerson. <laughs> oh, sure. It's yeah. not his first go around. Right. Yeah. He knows all these people. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's going to feel like... Uh, Hey, we've been a Big 12 school. We've been acting like a Big 12 school ever since I got to Houston. So mm-hmm. this is for us to be here. This is this is no surprise. Mm-hmm. What I've been thinking about, and I think will become a topic of conversation. Maybe this is more for the media day in 2024. But who's ta- who's going to fill the shoes left by Texas and OU? You know, or OU really? Yeah, like which school? Which school is going to be the one to be? Which one is going to you know be like OU winning conference championship after conference championship? Will it? Will there be one emerge, or will it be kind of how it's been a conference where everybody's pretty close? Um, but I, that's kind of something that I've thought about too. Is is who's Who, next? Who's the cock of the walk, so to speak? Right? right? Yeah. 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 What? I'm I'm doing the subtle advertising here, <laughs> just so think, it just gets out there and we can like embrace it. Right? I think if if Baylor's head coach was more um, dynamic, it, that Baylor would try to make a case for that. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be Baylor. They would hire Joey McGuire, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, and, and and you know when you when you start looking around, and Chris Kleiman doesn't have that personality either yeah for k-state because i mean they could they could make a case they could make a case for themselves um so yeah i i don't know i think it's i don't know that you're going to have a storyline along those lines where somebody acts like they are 
you know, king of the hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know that you've, I don't know that you've got one. Yeah. I think that, I think it's, I think, I think the top of that dirt, you know, I learned, I learned in my, uh, when I, my, my first job was in Western Kansas and I learned that, you know, the, the lead cow is always at the top of the dirt, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd, you'd go to these feed lots or whatever, you see the, the lead heifer or whatever on the top of the dirt or steer or whatever. I, I never really got which one, but anyway, the bottom line is one of them is, um, and I don't, I don't see one right yeah. now. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that's open. Yeah. We, yeah, which is, I guess, probably, like I said, better for next media day I think the, to this one. The other story that's going to come out of Big 12 media day this year that is going to kind of dominate the conversation probably Friday, that it's where it's everywhere, is that it's the final Big 12 media day for Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, yeah, know, that's good. And how all yeah. of that is going to transition and how many different ways they're going to be asked the question of the final season in the big 12 mm-hmm. and their different answers for the respective head coaches and players and right. what that means for them and all of that. That ROU and Oklahoma state, are they going to try to continue playing each other? No, like, well, I know, but I'm sure they'll be asked, but you know, that like goes that. part of being in the last year. Yeah. Being sure. In the conference, sure. That that will end up dominating going out of the conversation as opposed to in where it might be the four new schools that are I'm sure you'll have some articles written about how the Big 12 will be diminished in stature with the loss of Oklahoma and Texas. Oh, yeah. And I I think we'd be naive if we didn't feel that way to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, just just because those are two obviously very high-profile schools. Mm -hmm. I think what's going to be really interesting at next year's SEC Media Days is how – you know, Oklahoma is kind of like, remember the scene in Animal House? Uh, oh, <clears throat> you go over here with, with these guys. This is Sydney, Jugdish, Muhammad, and Clayton, you know? <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're going to be, they're, they're not going to be the, the, the person standing, they're not going to be the big cow standing on top of the dirt. And no. they're like, no, uh, Alabama has that role. Yeah. And then if, even if it wasn't Alabama, it would be Georgia. <laughs> Yeah. And if it wasn't Georgia, you got to think Florida's name yeah, right. on that line. Yeah. You know, somebody off the chat line with regard to expansion says Colorado and Arizona, that's it for now. I, I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Might get some ACC teams in in a few years. At some point, we could see several of the top teams from the lower power three forming a new conference, similar to the Big 12 coming from the Southwest Conference and the Big 8. We better stay relevant. Uh, I, I think that I think that where the Big 12 is right now and the new media deal that they've gotten – I mean, I think they're they're solid number three. Yeah, they're they're a solid number three. I mean, it, it's the SEC or the Big Ten, depending on what part of the country you're from. I think <laughs> I think if you're in the South, you're going to say the SEC is dominant. I think if you're in the North, they're going to say, well, the Big Ten is because look at the money. That's all right. where all the money is. Yeah. But it's only because that's where the bigger cities are, <laughs> and so there's more eyeballs. But it's it's Big Ten, SEC, and then everybody else, or SEC, Big Ten, then everybody else. <laughs> uh, and then I think there's a I think there's a a gap then between four and five, which I would say would be ACC and and then the Pac-12, because I think the Pac-12 is teetering on the verge of becoming a, you know, conference like, uh, mm, you know, give me, you know, Mountain what, West. Or Mountain something. West, yes, right. that's what I was yeah. trying to think of. Yeah. Yes. And the thing about the ACC is as dumb as their media deal is, they still have Clemson, Florida State, Miami. And that's something that's that's what's interesting when you compare the big the new Big Twelve to that conference is maybe the Big Twelve is on the up, but they still don't have those brands. Sure, and and a lot of times that's what matters. And sure, so it will be interesting to see how the ACC moves forward when you know the Big Twelve who doesn't have those brands is going to have a better media deal than they do. We need know? some brashness, Noah. And as as much as I really don't want Colorado to come back into the into the Big Twelve. I mean the brashness that that Dion would bring would 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 be it's not sustaining because I don't think he's sustaining mm-hmm. one I don't think his health will allow him to be sustaining and then two um, it, it's it's going to be real quick on the pass fail for for the for the Dion regime mm-hmm. there and at Colorado I mean if they go zero and twelve this year then th- there'll be a, there'll be a lot of speculation of. Is this a is this a two or three year run for him? Mm-hmm. But if they go six and six or seven and five, there's going to be a lot of schools that went well. 
Looks like they did it right. They right. got rid of, they flushed out all the bad and they yeah. brought in who they wanted to bring in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And those are at least two brands that you bring them into the conference and they, they are, because I think you could argue you bring in UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, are, what are they adding? And then that's a question to ask. I think you bring, you bring in a, a Arizona and a Colorado. You don't have to ask that question. I think it's obvious that they, that they're, they're an Ooh. addition. Uh, I think Cincinnati brings some of the Ohio market that you weren't in as a conference. And Does there's that a lot matter, though? To the TV people who are paying for the, <laughs> the, the, the TV contract, yes. Okay. I, yeah, I, don't, I guess and, I don't know. And Florida adding the east another East Coast partner for West Virginia tra- travel-wise yeah. makes sense. As a, And also what their success has been, they can be kind of a, I don't want to say a brand that you can wear because it's still behind Florida, Florida State, Miami. Right. But now they're going to be getting significantly more money as a team so yeah, they can compete with those three other schools. Right. They're the ones that I could see growing into that type of school for sure. But uh, that's what you're getting with those teams yeah. is the markets that for your TV partner to continue paying lots and lots of money for those football teams. <laughs> yeah. 7.40 this morning on the morning drive. The boom, boom, boom is next. Reminder, we'll have uh, the Home Run Derby tonight from Seattle on 100.7 The Score. All-Star Game is tomorrow night. It's my favorite All-Star Game of all of them. It's must-watch. It's must-listen to. We'll have it for you tomorrow at 6 on 100.7 The Score. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. We did feel like rocket people. We did. (laughs) Without... Without a doubt. <clears throat> Didn't really have Elton John going through. Do you know he played his last concert? I did. At uh, at 76, it's sad. It's, Man, he... This farewell tour he's been on is, was like started pre-pandemic. Is that right? Yeah, it's been and quite now, a while. <laughs> but now you have the Eagles getting ready to, to, start, on, to start on one. Mm-hmm. You know, but I saw Elton John here twice. He played the first concert at United then... Spirit Arena, mm-hmm. and then I saw him play uh, as well um, when he came later. I mean, and both of them were spectacular. Yeah. I mean, just the the second one, we sat on the second row, and so we got right right there, and you could just see the effort that he puts into that piano. It was just was unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. And then when you know when he did the the one strike of the key for Benny and the Jets, oh, yeah. the whole the whole crowd knew what was coming. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was it was really awesome. All right, um, Jeff, you may be the you may be the best one to ask about this. Is the Major League Baseball draft gaining popularity? Can it can it surpass the NBA or get close to the NBA? Is it gaining? Yes. Yeah. Can it pass? Probably no. Just because of the amount of time that it takes a minor leaguer to advance through the system to get to the major leagues, mm-hmm. whereas the NBA draft, they get drafted, they're playing the next year. Right. Uh, and that's the nature of the sport that I I don't see fundamentally change. You're, you're not major league baseball ready at the top level out of high school or out of college. I guess one of my, one of my thoughts on the major league baseball draft is why it wasn't as popular, isn't as popular and, and why it's gaining popularities because I think you're going to see more and more college players staying and playing at the at the, the high school guys going and playing college baseball if they're not drafted in the first round mm-hmm. because the amenities the name image and likeness money the just the the whole the dollars that are involved uh, are going to be greater for them to play at a power five college level than going and playing at a minor league, you know, rookie ball level where you're not staying in the nicest places. You're playing in front of, you know, sparse, very sparse crowds. And you're basically part of a team so that the, the bonus baby can have somebody to basically play with. College baseball is fun. Yeah. And college baseball is fun. (laughs) But I think it's also, as much as I love it, I do. It's a niche. Yeah. Um, minor league baseball is a niche. Yeah, for sure. When you've got college basketball leading to the NBA draft, which, by the way, that didn't even happen this year. 
you you've got all American all Americans that didn't get drafted in two rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, like consensus all Americans yeah. that didn't get drafted in the two rounds of the NBA because it's all overseas. It's all club teams, and that's where the NBA draft is going. But those guys are still playing on the major on the NBA rosters this season, or at least you know the top ten are are on the roster this season. In baseball, you still got guys that are going from college to single A or double A in this year that won't look how long it took Josh to get to the, to the majors. Yeah, a couple and years. Granted, yeah, he lost one year for injury mm-hmm. and lost year and lost one year for COVID. But that's kind of what happens for these guys. That mm-hmm. They're going to have an injury. They're uh, having to go from playing thirty games a year or forty games a year to playing one hundred and sixty-two games a year. Mm-hmm that it's it's a big jump even from minors to majors yeah. that getting from college baseball which i do think is helping the draft you're getting more information about these guys in the college baseball which is probably growing a little but it's still a niche what's the bigger niche do you think do you think the bigger niche right now is college baseball or minor league baseball minor league man i i i think I that's shifted a push I think it's shifted. I think the momentum is on the college baseball side. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I've, I've made the momentum. Is, but I'd still say both of them are neck and neck with niche. See, I saw more. I think I, I felt like I saw more people during the regional supers and college world series. People who I've never seen care about college baseball care, mm-hmm. or at least discussing college baseball. More become more, become more year. of a casual fan of and, that. And I even heard people say like. Th- is this bigger or am I just into it now? Like, you know, there were, there were mm-hmm. people who just seemed like it was everywhere and they hadn't felt like that. In I just think it's, years. I think it's going to grow. I think it's going to get bigger. And, you know, we saw the reduction of minor league teams, you know, because of, of, of expense. And I think you're going to see more and more of that where you might have, you and might you've have, also seen a reduction in the major league baseball draft too, mm-hmm. to also go with that. There aren't, there aren't as many guys going into that system. So you're getting the better players in the minor leagues to help have them advance for the majors, but it's still going to be probably of the three drafts third. Well, and I think the other thing that has helped the the major league baseball draft is because of the popularity of college baseball, and is that the players are becoming more familiar. Mm-hmm. And and regardless, you love familiarity. I mean, what's the one of the criticisms of the NBA draft? It, even for the most fervent of NBA uh, fans, you look at a lot of these guys and go, oh, "These are all foreign players. I've never heard of this guy before." Yeah, I mean, and it's. Uh, I mean, look at the number one overall draft, and now everybody <laughs> knows his name. But beforehand, he could have walked in the room, and you thought, "Oh, that guy's really tall." He, do you play basketball? <laughs> you mean seriously? And and it's going to, to the NBA draft is opposite of what the Major League Baseball draft is. Because there's fewer and fewer college uh, basketball players that are being drafted that are going right into the NBA versus the foreign-grown player, especially familiar ones. Because yeah. the NBA draft is all potential. Old. The longer you're in college, the worse you are. Yes, and so you know, it was for, what for the first time ever, the Naismith, you know, Player of the Year wasn't picked in the first oh, round. Yeah. Oscar Sheway. Oscar Sheway, who, yeah. who, in any other decade. Or as uh, JFK would say, decayed. What <laughs> would have been the over number one overall pick? Yeah, and he wasn't even picked. No, and that and then that's a little because of NBA is going away from the traditional big man. Sure, and he's a tradition. But yes, it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, like we saw Jalen Brunson. Tech played Jalen Brunson in the uh, the Elite Eight a few years ago. He was an incredible college player, but because he played so many years in college, he lasted until the second round of the draft. One thing I was going to say about the, the MLB draft, though, is what might hurt its popularity some is you even said it during the boom, boom, boom was talking about the Tech guy, the Tech commit who had got drafted. I don't... You you called it you like what round of the draft was? Like, right. It just it was, sounded so complicated. I know, right? <laughs> right. It was he was picked what thirty ninth in the you know block A right. draft. I don't you know, even whatever, know what whatever that means. Whatever that means, <laughs> right. right? Whatever that means. Yeah, it wasn't just round one, round mm-hmm. two. It was yeah. It was so that that might hurt it. So well, part of that is the collective bargaining agreement that Major League Baseball came up with as teams lose players to free agency, mm-hmm. which is why free agency slowed down so much. Right. 
that you lose your draft pick in the next round and it goes to that's where those come oh okay so like i was thinking you know in the nfl they have like supplemental draft picks yeah if you lose a player then they'll for whatever money they'll give you like a fourth round of, it, you know, it, whatever it's, the, it's similar to mm -hmm. what that is but you lose a player that you get a draft pick at the end of the first round or second round depending on where those guys fall i guess that's where the draft gets crazy mm -hmm. no argument yeah yeah okay well, it, like I said, I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, and I, I think I would be among those that I can't say I'm the most, what have been the most fervent college baseball fan. I mean, it's taken me a while to come to the party. Mm -hmm. um, just, just from the standpoint that, you know, growing up in a major league city, I, I'm, I am not a minor league baseball fan. Yeah. I am not a fan of bringing minor league baseball to Lubbock. I think that would take away from Texas Tech. I think that would take away from a resources standpoint, a money standpoint, because the money would get, you know, there'd be people that would support it that normally would have supported either tech baseball or tech athletics in mm -hmm. general. And so I, I'm not a fan of these, um, you know, of this minor league baseball coming coming here. I don't. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't work for Amarillo and Midland. Right, because they don't have a big university. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's like, exactly right. That's where the split is, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's why I would love to go see a Sob Poodles game. I think that would be a, an absolute blast. <laughs> right. Um, I'd love to go see the Rockhounds play. Uh, all of those things. But I, that doesn't mean it would work here. Yeah. And I also don't know that you're ever going to get better than the minor league baseball in those two respective cities with a college team because of what those two teams mean to those cities. Yeah. Somebody says, but the minor league series season barely overlaps with Tech. I'm just saying there's only so much – uh, of the sports dollar and you start diluting it and it starts to affect other things. I mean, that's just, again, that is my opinion. That's Where my are taking. you buying your season tickets to in Lubbock? Tech football, tech basketball, tech baseball, women's basketball, minor league baseball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Minor league baseball would be last on that list. I would well, not buy, I would not buy minor league baseball tickets, season tickets. Just wouldn't. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at DoubleT97.3.com.